0: and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. Well, hey, we're, as I said, we're in our fifth session of this topic, Holy Spirit, the Helper You Need. And the reality is we need the Holy Spirit, active, moving, empowering us in everything we think, say and do. We need the Holy Spirit more and more. More than ever we need the Holy Spirit. Not that, you know, he's uh over time we've fallen away. You don't it don't always have to be that way. Understand when I say I, you need more of the Holy Spirit, it's not because you've went less or dropped down. It's because we can ever increase in the things of God. And that's our desire, right, amen, is to ever increase in the things of God. And part of that is increasing in our relationship with God, the Holy Spirit, in His indwelling presence in us. And Pastor Lester Sumrall, the author of that book we're giving away, uh, he made this point. He said, you cannot have faith for something you do not have knowledge of. And God said that. He said, my people perish in the Old Testament, the Old Testament prophet, my people perish for lack of knowledge. So a limited amount of knowledge re- results in a limited amount of faith. You can only believe for what you know. Let me, let me make this clear. You can only believe for the things you're aware of or you have knowledge of. In fact, I'm going to start. I didn't have this written down. But thank God this came up in my spirit and just what I, and just making this point. Let's look at Acts 19. Acts 19, Paul, he goes to this place called Ephesus where there's a very, very, very small church, a very young church. And Acts 19, 1 says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, another ap- apostle and evangelist ministering in Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Paul asked these believers in Ephesus, have you received the Holy Spirit? So they said to him, we've not so much as heard whether there even is a Holy Spirit. In other words, Paul says, have y'all received the Holy Spirit and his power, baptizing work of the Holy Spirit? Have y'all received him? We don't even know about this Holy Spirit. We didn't even know there was such a thing or such a person as the Holy Spirit. So 19.3, and he said to them, into what were you then baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Now we know John the Baptist, he was the forerunner of Christ Jesus. And he would baptize people unto repentance in water. And we talked about that. We've talked about that. Verse 4, then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is Jesus Christ. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. So right here, you have a great biblical display that the knowledge you possess is the level that you start at with your faith. You can only believe for what you know. This is why studying your Bible and reading your Bible every day is vital to your your spiritual growth. This is why being active and diligent and faithful to church and being in a fellowship of believers and sitting under the anointed teaching of a man or woman of God that's called the pastor people, we believe in the ministry gifts of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean people are less than or more than. It simply means God calls different people to do different things. And that's why it's important for you to be in church, to sit under good Bible teaching, to study the Bible yourself every day. To pray every day, to listen to good teaching, be a part of broadcast, things like this, because you can only believe for what you know. Without the knowledge of what is, you can never have faith to obtain what is. And that's what happened here. Paul's saying, have y'all been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And they said, Well, we don't even know there, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. He said, What, what have you guys been baptized into? They told me there was a little church here and I've come to preach the gospel and win some people to Christ and build this church. They said, well, we got baptized under John, John the Baptist. He told us there was one coming. So Paul preached Christ. Paul preached Christ. And then they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Paul gave them the word of truth. We talked about that yesterday. Paul preached the gospel and then they had knowledge to be saved. And so it's so important for us to continually build up our knowledge of God. It's important for us to know more and more about God. In fact, this just comes to my mind as well. Ephesians chapter 1, this is a prayer. Now notice this. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We just read the beginning place of the church of Ephesus. These 12 men, small group do not despise the day of small beginnings because they grow to be one a very impressive group of believers a large church they have some things they have to work on but a good solid church and then paul writes the the book in the bible we know as ephesians to the church in ephesus a letter to the church in ephesus we call it ephesians in our bible and what is paul's prayer this is years later after he has this encounter He's, not, he's going to write a letter to them. So he's already seen them in person. He's been there before, makes missionary journeys there before. But then he sends a letter to them. And what does Paul say? The first prayer he's praying. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Paul's praying I'm praying that by the Holy Spirit, your knowledge will increase through wisdom and revelation. I'm praying that the knowledge you have of God will increase by the work of the Holy Spirit. Because remember, and in fact, we didn't start there today, uh, but as we started every other day, and we're going to hit it right now, our three three main texts, at this point, you probably have a, almost have them committed to memory. John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. Fifteen twenty six of John, but when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will testify of me. John 16, 13, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he speaks, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. So part and parcel of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to increase our knowledge of God. The Holy Spirit increases our knowledge of God so that we can have greater faith. The Our faith is we build our faith by hearing and hearing the word of God. Faith comes, Romans 10, 17, by hearing and hearing the word of God. And as we continue to hear the word of God, the Holy Spirit has more opportunity to teach us truth, to reveal revelation and give us understanding, wisdom in our hearts and in our minds. So that we can have a greater knowledge of Christ, a greater knowledge of the work of the gospel, a greater knowledge of the things of God. And that's what the whole purpose of this entire week has been. That's what the purpose of church is. That's what the purpose of reading a devotional every day. That's what the person purpose me purpose of the Bible is, of prayer. That's what this whole relationship with Christ is all about, is so that we can know him better. And as I like to say it, more better or mo better take off the re i want to know jesus more better you want to know god greater and greater to a greater and greater degree i do not ever want to be in a place where i have a lack of knowledge because as the lord said my people are perish for a lack of knowledge so I, I, how do i remove destruction from my midst increase my knowledge because when i have more knowledge i have more things doctrines ideas wisdom I can take action on. That's called faith. Taking action on the knowledge of God is faith. When you get understanding from God and then you live your life accordingly to what you've learned from the word of God and the spirit of God, that's called faith. That's what faith is. Simply doing what you've learned from the word and by the spirit to do. That's what faith is. Now, let's get into our last two points. We're going to get these two points today, and this will finish up our discussion on Holy Spirit, the helper you need. I say finish up. It's just the stopping point that I've selected. Like anything in the Bible, you could go on forever, indefinitely. But this is the ninth point or eighth point that we've covered today, and starting today with this one. I want you to put this in the comment section. As you're listening, you can say this out loud. The Holy Spirit is like rain. 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 We're going to begin with that point in the book of Hosea. Hosea chapter 6 And Hosea chapter 10 actually show us two different times how the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, is like rain. Hosea chapter 6 tells us this concerning a, a call of repentance. In the book of Hosea, Hosea is a prophet, mighty man of God, and he's a prophet to Israel and Judah. And he's telling them to turn from their sin. And Hosea has an interesting ministry. God tells him to marry a prostitute, Gomer. Doesn't that name just sound beautiful, Gomer? <laughs> Whenever I read Hosea, I think of Gomer Powell, USMC, or Gomer. It's obviously the same person, same actor on a, on the Andy Griffith show. <laughs> That's a beautiful name, Gomer. But Ho- God told Hosea to marry Gomer, this prostitute, have children by her, and then He gave these children prophetic names. And it was all in a symbol of what Israel had done toward God. Israel and Judah had forsaken their first love. They had played the fool and they had played the game of being a harlot. Hey, Teddy, glad to have you on. They had played a harlot and they had forsaken their first love, God, and turned toward the idolatry and the gods of the lands around them. They had left their one true love, God, and turned toward the God of sin, sinfulness. And they played the role of a harlot. And Hosea experienced physically and emotionally how God felt because he was put in that same place. He marries a harlot, and for a time she's faithful and then goes back to her former lovers. And then Hosea purchases her back from those pimps, those men buys her back, redeems her. That's the story of the gospel. We've been redeemed from the very devices and the wickedness and Satan who used and abused us. Jesus has redeemed us from that and washed us up and made us clean. And Hosea, then there's a shift that takes place after that. We see the part of the natural life of Hosea. We see the minister ministry part of what he had to live out. And Hosea chapter six, there's this call to repentance. And when he gets to Hosea verse six, verse three, chapter six, verse three, it says, "Let us know. Let us pursue. Notice this. Praise God. The knowledge of the Lord. Pursue the knowledge of the Lord." What are you what are you to pursue to desire to long after the knowledge of the Lord? His going forth is established as the morning. So just like the sun comes up, God's faithful. He will come to us like the rain. Now catch this like the latter and former rain to the earth specific in particular to the middle east and where israel is in the promised land and in that area of the middle east there is a former rain the first rain and a latter rain the second rain and they actually their agricultural economy and ecosystem thrives and is completely hinged around the former and latter rain here in Israel, not just years ago, hundreds, thousands of years ago, but to this day, former rain, latter rain. You know, in India, I've got some friends in India, minister friends there, and it's the same way. There's a, there's a rainy season, and then there's a cold season and a hot season, just like in here in South Carolina. We have 12 different seasons. Sometimes it's spring, and the next time it's light winter, and then it's light spring and warm spring, and then winter again, and then we go to summer, and you you never know what's it's going to be, but I believe in Jesus' name. We're going to have a beautiful weekend and a beautiful, beautiful resurrection Sunday. Beautiful weather in Jesus' name for Sunday. But we see here the Holy Spirit comes to us like rain, the former rain and the latter rain. Now, why is that an important distinction? God's using a natural example. The rain that you rely on to bring forth your crops, how you have a former rain and a latter rain, that's how I'm going to come. Now, what does the former rain do? What does the first rain do? The first rain will break up and get the ground ready for seed. Notice that. The first rain will break up, saturate, soak in a dry, weary land, and cause that dirt to get ready to sow seed. You've probably seen it before. During dry seasons, you go out, if there's a patch of dirt that's not covered with grass. It's real hard. The less moisture that's in dirt, the harder that dirt is, right? When that dirt dries out, it gets hard as cement and it cracks. And you can throw seed on it, but it's so hard, even if that seed sprouts out, it can't dig down into that dirt. Those roots are so tender and so small and so fragile, they can't lock down into that hard dirt. That dirt's got to be broken up. But you can't just plow dry, dry dirt and leave it at, at that. That dirt needs some moisture in it. In fact, for a seed to germinate or for a dead seed to come alive and sprout that little green sprout, it needs some moisture. <clears throat> that seed actually has to rot on the outside and inside it is life working its way out and pops out that little green shoot. And the Holy Spirit comes in two ways. A first reign, a reign of breaking up the hardness of heart. John 16, let me read it. That's what we're here for is to learn. John 16, we see a ministry of the Holy Spirit. Pray this Pray this today, tomorrow, and Sunday morning as you prepare yourself for Resurrection Sunday. Pray this over the people of your city, your county, your nation. Pray that the Holy Spirit would mightily convict sinners of their sin. Now you say, well, that may make them feel bad. No, they need a godly sorrow. The Bible says godly sorrow produceth repentance. Godly sorrow produces repentance. Notice this, John 16, 8, and when he has come, the Holy Spirit, which we're going to get today, and you probably already realize this, but the Holy Spirit's already here. Jesus is prophesying of what will take place, which did take place on the day of Pentecost. John 16, 8, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. The ministry, part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to convict of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. Those are the words of Jesus. That is what the Holy Spirit does. One of the things the Holy Spirit does in the earth, right? This is when you get into a deep understanding of the ministry of God, the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit is not just a tingle up your spine. It's not just when you want to run or jump or shout. All those things are great. I did I did a lot of that this morning during my time of prayer, prayer running, jumping, shouting, praising God. Absolutely. I had a good time this morning, turned on some on fire worship music and just went after it, worshiping God. Absolutely, became undignified before the Lord. I love it. But that's not the totality of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And in fact, really all that was was me yielding, was me putting my flesh and my mind in submission to the joy that was in my spirit. Because your mind will say, You look silly. You sound silly. What are you doing? Your flesh will say, I don't want to jump. I don't want to clap. I don't want to worship, whether it's you personally or whether when you show up at church and during the time of worship. Right? Your flesh feels very comfortable with its hands on the pew and you looking. Your flesh is extremely comfortable as long as you remain a spectator. That's comfortable for the flesh. It is comfortable to be a spectator in the things of God for your flesh. It is very comfortable for your mind to be a spectator when it concerns the things of God, but it will be a place of grief for your spirit to be a spectator. Do not be a spectator when it comes to the things of God. Taste and see that God is good. So let your spirit under the lordship of Christ be lord over your mind, your soul, your wills, your emotions. That's what your soul is, your mind, will, and emotions, your intellect, and your flesh. Pastor Lester Sumrall that wrote that book that we have gave three copies away today. He said the spirit makes a wonderful master. And the soul and the flesh make wonderful slaves. But the opposite, the flesh and the soul make terrible masters. And the spirit makes a terrible slave. It's good for your spirit to take control. For you, that's who you really are. You really are your spirit. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in your body. And it's good for you to engage in the things of God. Now, Again, the ministry of the Holy Spirit though isn't just in some on fire worship. The Holy Spirit's convicting. The Holy Spirit comes like former or the first rain in the land of Israel. It rains hard and heavy and breaks up the fallow ground. Let me let me explain to you what I mean by that from scripture. Hosea chapter 10 verse 12. This is this is a powerful portion of scripture that i would encourage you to pray continually as a form of intercession for sinners and supplication for believers those are two doctrinal words that you'll see in the bible but interceding means to pray for some stand in the gap for someone we intercede for the lost we supplicate for the for the saved Supplication is to pray on behalf of someone that they be encouraged, edified, built up, lifted up. And there's certain promises of the Bible that we can pray for the Christian and only for the Christian. Right? I can't pray that the sinner be edified because this, uh, the the verse, Danette, is Hosea 10, 12, what I'm about to read. I just read Hosea 10, 3, but this verse that I'm about to read is Hosea 10, 12 and this is a powerful portion of scripture to pray to intercede for the lost and to supplicate for the righteous now notice this hosea 10 12 Sow for yourselves righteousness you and i christians believers galatians 6 7 for god is not mocked do not be deceived god is not mocked for whatever a man soweth that shall he also reap don't be deceived God will not be made fun of, and you will not be put to shame. Whatever you sow, you will reap. So Hosea, the prophet, by the Spirit of the Lord, is saying, sow some righteousness, and you'll reap mercy. If you'll commit your heart to the things of God, you'll reap the blessings of the Lord. Sow sow for yourselves righteousness. Plant some seeds of righteousness because the planting of righteousness produces a harvest of mercy. Break up your fallow ground for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Rains righteousness on you. Break up the fallow ground what is fallow ground? Fallow ground is ground that is ready to be planted, but has not received seed yet. Fallow ground is a place ready to be planted, and you push the plow through and break up all the hard spots, but it's yet to be planted. So we break up the hardness of heart so that the Holy Spirit with his rain can saturate and soak in and fill in with his life the fallow ground to make the harvest produce. Break up the fallow ground. Notice that's something that's on our part. And when you get, when you get ready for church this coming Sunday or anytime you come to church, break up that fallow ground. Don't don't let it be 22 minutes of worship to break up the fallow ground. Don't wait 17 minutes into the sermon for the fallow ground to be broken up. Make a decision and not just coming to church. I'm I'm making that point. That's a good place to do it. But every morning, break up the fallow ground. Every morning, get your heart ready. Every morning, just make a decision to break up fallow ground in the heart, to get it ready to receive the word of God. How can you break up the fallow ground of, of your heart? Lord, I bless you. Lord, I praise you. I thank you, Lord. You're good. You're merciful. Kind are you, Lord. Holy is your name. Great and mighty are you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. You're a God of mercy. I thank you, Lord, that as I sow righteousness, I reap mercy. You know, just take the take scriptures and begin to 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 declare them over your life. Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life and begin to break up the fallow ground of your heart. Break up the fallow ground of your heart so that it's ready to receive the word of God so that when the Holy Spirit comes as rain, he will fall heavy and there'll be a deluge, D-E-L-U-G-E, a deluge, a flood of the things of God in your life. And he'll rain righteousness on you. He'll rain righteousness on you. Now notice this, this same thought is in Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 10. Zechariah chapter 10 verse 1. In fact, for this point that the Holy Spirit is like rain, we're going to look at three Old Testament prophets, what they prophesied would happen. And then we're going to look at James chapter five of what is happening right now concerning the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Zechariah 10 verse one, ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. The Lord will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. Now, we talked about the former rain or the first rain. What does the former rain and the first rain do? It breaks up the fallow ground. It gets it ready for seed. That's why I read John 16, 8 through 11. Because the current one of the current day ministries of the Holy Spirit is to convict the heart. See, unless the Holy Spirit does His part by convicting, and we do our part by s- broadcasting the Word of God as seed, the two the two are necessary for salvation in the heart of man. You cannot just throw seed out and not have the fallow ground broken up. You need the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the teaching of the Word of God, the proclamation of the gospel, telling people about Jesus, plainly put, just telling someone about Jesus. And then you believe that the Holy Spirit will do his part, which is convict their hearts. And he will. The Holy Spirit is faithful to do what he said he'll do, which is convict the hearts of men and women, convict the hearts of people. You be faithful to throw out the seed of the word of God because the former rain breaks up the ground and gets it ready for seed. And then here's the trick. In Israel, literally in this day and not just in that day, but right now in this day, uh, 2022 in Israel. They have a former rain and a latter rain. The former rain softens up the ground. They sow seed. They plant a a harvest. And then as that crop is coming to a place of harvest, it hasn't hit harvest yet, but it's getting real close to harvest. It's real, real close to harvest. Then the latter rain or the second rain comes. And what does the latter rain do? It causes all the crops to shoot up real fast. It's like, you know, My Laura and Naomi, they went strawberry picking with some friends earlier this week. And because of the rain, the strawberry plants had put out just a a bumper crop of strawberries. I'm talking about within days, like because of two days of rain, uh, the gentleman that runs the strawberry patch said, look, I need you. uh, Please come pick. Her and her friends say, can we come by and pick? Yeah, please come and pick. Because of the rain that came just a few days ago, my strawberry plants are putting out way more strawberries than I expected. And I'm going to have to come pick them so they don't go bad. So please come. Because of the rain, they're producing way more than I expected they would. And he said, and it's going to rain tomorrow, which means they're going to do it again. The former rain breaks up the ground and gets it ready for the seed. And then the farmer sows the seed, and that former rain gets that seed going. Then the latter rain comes in and makes the crop, which is about to harvest, multiply in its fruitfulness. And what does the Spirit of the Lord say through the prophet Zechariah? Ask the Lord for rain in the time of rain. Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain, specifically in the time of the latter rain ask god for rain during the season of this second rain the holy spirit's like rain so we can say it this way ask the lord for the holy spirit in the time of the holy spirit now is the time and the work and the ministry of the holy spirit on the earth ask the lord for rain in the time of rain Ask the Lord for rain in the time of rain. This may be a familiar passage with you. If not, it will be familiar after I read it. Praise God. Joel chapter 2, verse 23. A little bit of reading here, but it's good for you. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain. Catch it. He's already given you the first rain faithfully. And he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. The threshing floors shall be full of wheat. Why are the threshing floors full of wheat? Because the former rain got the seed going, the ground soft, and the latter rain, the second rain, caused it to multiply in its fruitfulness. And the vat shall overflow with new wine and oil. So I will restore to you The years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, the chewing locust, my great army, which I sent among you. This is Joel prophesying to Israel. Because you went into sin, you suffered destruction. Sin always produces destruction. Sin always produces death. That's why we are to flee from sin. That's why if we fall into sin, we are to repent and turn from it so God can cleanse us and be faithful. But he doesn't, he's faithful and just to cleanse us and forgive us. But he doesn't just leave it at cleansed and forgiven. God gives us a promise here. Verse 26, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God. And there's no other. And my people shall never be put to shame. God is saying here, by my power, when you turn from what you have, what has brought destruction, I will restore to you what was lost. You know what? No one here listening to this broadcast or the replay or the podcast is has lived a perfect life. You made you made mistakes. You just downright plain out sinned. And so did I. You made a choice to be an enemy of God, whether you subconsciously or deliberately knew it or in your subconscious didn't. You, by the default of me living in sin, I was making myself an enemy of God. And sin cost me things. Sin costs you things. But when you get saved, and set free from the bondage of sin, there is a promise that which was devoured by the enemy will be restored. If God has a power and an ability to make you a brand new creation, to make you his righteousness, can he not restore to you what the locust and the canker worm have eaten? Cannot God restore what the enemy has stolen? It makes me think of is it first Samuel, the last few chapters of first or maybe it's second Samuel, King David? No, it's first Samuel because he's not yet appointed king. He's still a vagabond, anointed king, but Saul still hadn't given up that throne yet and David gave it over into the hands of God. And so David, he's out fighting the Philistines on his own with his 600 mighty men who were broke, busted, and disgusted. But now that they followed David, a man of righteousness, they're blessed, That they're very wealthy. You see that when they give this gift to the temple, extremely wealthy, and they're victorious. That's what Jesus does. Sets you on the path of righteousness, blesses you, takes you from the muck and mire of sin and sets you free. But when they come back from warring against the enemies of Israel, they go back to Ziklag. That's a fun name, isn't it? Ziklag. And when they get there, they find all their wives and children and stuff stolen. And his men who were following him faithfully now are very upset. And Satan uses some backbiters and some liars and deceivers. And David says, "Uh uh-oh, these men have turned on me and they're ready to kill me he tears his clothes, he gets before God, he goes to the priest to consult the Lord. When you don't know what to do, go to God. It's that simple. When you don't know what to do, go to God. Amen. Lean on his wisdom. Lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord. And so David says, Lord, what should I do? Should I pursue the enemy? And God says, yes pursue and overtake them and i will give you everything that the enemy has stolen and their stuff and david pursued and the mighty men with him they pursued those uh those ra- raiders that kidnapped their women and children and stole their stuff and they got everything back no one murdered no one killed i mean it's kidnapping hundreds of people kidnapped probably thousands you know 600 wives or so and you know two three four children a person depending thousands of people got them all back all their livestock back all their stuff nothing missing nothing broken everything restored pursue and overtake because you're going to get back what the enemy stolen and by the spirit of god you can receive back what the enemy has stolen it's ephesians 5 we have the power to redeem time Don't ever be discouraged. Man, this is my spirit for somebody. Do not be discouraged. You may think, naturally speaking, you lived more years for Satan, for sin, for yourself than you have for Jesus. And you think, I've lived more years doing it wrong than the years I'm doing it right. How will I ever make up for time? by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can redeem the time you can get back what was stolen. You can you can get back what was stolen by the devil. You can have restoration in your family. You can have restoration in your marriage. You can have restoration in your business and your dreams and desires that God put in your heart to be a blessing to yourself, your family, and the earth around you. You can have restoration, and it's by the work of the Holy Spirit. He comes like rain, and He makes overnight the crop jump up and multiply itself. And anytime the Holy Spirit gets involved in something, it multiplies powerfully. It multiplies powerfully. When the Holy Spirit has freedom to move through a people of a, in a church, in a nation, in a city, let it be known that it will be a quick turning and a quick work so that you can see the power of God to restore. And that's what we need to pray. Me as an American... I know people that watch the replay and and listen to the podcast. You know, about 10% of the listeners, they're, they're in other nations than America. God bless you wherever you live. God is not a respecter of persons, which means he's not a respecter of nations, because all a nation is is a big old group of people. And that's the prayer you must have for your city, for your nation, for your neighbor. For your brother, am I my brother's keeper? Yes, God's already answered that question. Should you pray for your neighbor? Yep, he, he she's your responsibility spiritually. Amen intercede, ask God for rain in the time of rain. Let's keep reading. Verse 28 of Joel 2. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Old men shall dream dreams. Young men shall see visions. I'm still seeing visions. I ain't got that old man part, but in about 70 years, when I finally become an old man, I'll begin to dream those dreams. Amen. Hallelujah. And also on my maid, men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Verse 29, 30, I will show wonders in the heaven and in the earth, blood and fire, pillars of smoke, talking about the day of the Lord, that is yet to come, but the spirit is on the earth now. The sun will be turned into darkness, the moon into blood. You can see all this takes place in the book of Revelation of what is to come. Before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord, that's the tribulation, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be salvation, deliverance, as the Lord has said among the remnant whom the Lord calls. The Holy Spirit is moving upon the peoples of the earth right now, convicting. That's the former reign. That's the first reign. And it's our job, according to the Spirit of the Lord in Zechariah chapter 10, to ask God for rain in the time of the latter rain. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you've seriously got before the Lord in a time of prayer and asked God to pour out His Spirit afresh on you, your family, if you're married, your wife or your husband, if you're if you you're a parent on your children, a grandparent on your grandchildren, great-grandchildren, I decided this morning I'm going to see my great great-grandchildren at the Lord Terry. All I got to do is live about 110. No problem. When's the last time you've seriously inquired, petitioned God to pour out rain on your church? When is the last time, instead of complaining about what you saw in news headlines and rehearsing what people dead in sin say, though it's naturally true? And instead of rehearsing what you see in the newspaper and on social media and on the news, instead you used your breath that you've been given from God and your mouth that's anointed like Isaiah, the coal touched my mouth, cleanse my tongue, because that was his excuse. I'm a man with an unclean tongue, unclean mouth of unclean people. God said, all right, well, we'll cleanse you. You've been made the righteousness of God. When's the last time you've seriously got before God with a broken, open heart? Lord, for your church, for your pastor, for your city for your nation for the body of christ in the earth and you got serious before god lord give us rain it is the time of rain give us rain you say well i've already got rain how many times do you need it to rain in the earth to have a continual supply of food once or often How often do you want the strengthening, quickening power of the Holy Spirit to move on you? Every once in a while or all the time? Man, I want to live in the spirit of life. I want to dwell in the presence of God, continually abiding. And it's not because God has to be convinced to do it. It's as a man or woman, You have to keep your faith up to continually receive. You understand it's not that God changes or we're, you know, beating against the brass walls of heaven. No, heaven is open. The heavens are open to receive. The heavens are open to receive. Continually petition and thank God. Lord, I ask for rain and even now I thank you for rain on me on my family, on my church, on my pastor, on my nation, on the body of Christ, the first rain that breaks up the hard hearts and the former rain, the second rain that produces kingdom fruit. Notice this, John. Uh, excuse me, James 5, 7. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. So we're waiting for the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early rain, the former rain, and the latter rain. Just as a farmer Waits for the first and second rain. And remember in Israel, there's a season of first. There's a season of the first rain and a season of the second rain. It's not just one experience, but a falling of rain during a period of time. The first time gets everything ready and growing. And then another rain that causes the fruit to be multiplied incredibly. And the Bible is saying, be patient because the Lord is patient. Don't get in a hurry about things. Don't get in a hurry about things. Be patient. Wait like a farmer waits. Keep throwing out seed and asking God for rain in the time of the latter rain because the Lord is waiting for a harvest. The farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. What is the precious fruit of the earth spiritually? People, souls. If God, and He is, The farmer of the earth. What is the fruit he desires? Men and women saved and set free. Why has the Lord not returned yet? He's waiting for more people to be saved. He desires for more people to be saved. The Lord being patient is not him lazy to fulfill a promise, he's being merciful, giving people a little bit more time to repent and believe and the holy spirit is like rain in that he causes the hearts of people to be convicted and ready to receive the word of god broken up and ready to receive the word but also when the word's planted the holy spirit causes that word to bring about an incredible abundant harvest we're coming up on the one o'clock hour i literally have like four minutes (laughs) to give you this very last point. But I think I can do it. Here we go. Put this in the comment section. Say this out loud. The Holy Spirit is a gift to me. Write that in the comment section. Say that out loud by faith. The Holy Spirit is a gift to me. 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 Acts chapter 2. Let's do this. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission, forgiveness of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children, and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. The Holy Spirit is a gift. For you, the believer, the promise of the Holy Spirit, his indwelling presence and his baptizing power is a gift from the father in the name of Jesus to you. We saw that John 14, John 15. We saw uh, in in fact, in Luke 11. Notice this Luke 11. The Holy Spirit is a gift to me. Luke 11 verse nine. And so I say to you, ask And it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, these people Jesus is talking to, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? The Holy Spirit is a gift from the Father. Okay? Requirement to receive the gift. Salvation. Second Peter 2.38 and 2.39. If you're saved, He will give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 5.29. He gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey Him. The requirement for the gift. Have you ever had a requirement attached to a gift? Maybe when you were younger. You know, maybe it's when you're learning to drive. Hey, you know, if you save up X amount of dollars, I'll match it. And we'll go buy you a car. That's what's the requirement. Whatever amount that you save, I'll match it. Or maybe, you know, maybe you're younger. You had to get your parents said, if you finish your chores, we will go get ice cream, whatever. You know, if you do this, I'll do this. Well, with God, it's simple. If you'll come unto me, I'll give you the Holy Spirit. If you'll believe on Jesus and let me save you, then I'll give you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a gift to you. The Holy Spirit is the gift the Father desires to give to you. He desires the work of the Holy Spirit. And everything we've talked about these past four days and today making five is what God wants to do in your life. He wants to move mightily in you. Because what does a gift do? A gift brings joy. Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. What does a gift do? It brings you liberty. Think about that. A gift brings you liberty. How does it bring you liberty? Because a gift is something that blesses you and you did not have to be contractually bound in getting it or, buy, you know, I got to go take a loan out to get the car. If someone gives you a car, you you don't have to save up for it. You, don't, you certainly don't go in debt, but some people go in debt and get that. I mean, you don't have to do all these things. It's just given to you. It's liberty. It's freeing. A gift is freeing because it's here. I want to bless you and you don't have to do anything on this part to receive it. I want to give it to you. 2 Corinthians 3 says this, 2 Corinthians 3 and 17, 2 Corinthians 3 and 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. The Holy Spirit sets us free, transforms us, brings us liberty, and makes us in the image of God, in the image of His glory. The gift of the Holy Spirit brings you liberty. The gift, That's what's so beautiful about a gift. It's free. He's given it to you. You're saved. He's redeemed you by the power of His blood. You've called on His name by faith. You believed in the name, having faith in the name, and you've received salvation. And the gift is yours. It's already yours. Reach out by faith and receive it. A gift, this gift of the Holy Spirit brings power and grace. A gift will bring you power and grace. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. And when they had prayed... The place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. When you get full of the Holy Spirit, you will boldly speak God's truth. Verse 32, now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common and with great power. The apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. The gift of the Holy Spirit brings you the grace of God that empowers you to do the work of the Lord. The Holy Spirit is a gift from the Father that brings you great grace, And produces great power last thing you're going to put in the comment in the chat section today type out great grace equals great power great grace equals great power great grace equals great power the power of the holy spirit brings you great grace which produces great power in your life that's what grace is is a spiritual empowerment to receive the things of god that he is made free by the blood of Christ. Hey, I'm so thankful that you joined me today. Look at there, it's 1259. I just about done it. I'm going to pray. It's one o'clock. I'm going to have to go over in a few minutes just to pray. But I want to pray with you. You stuck around this long. Let me pray with you. Let me bless you. I'm thankful that you joined me today. If you're watching or listening to the replay, to the podcast, Lord bless you. Amen. God will not overlook the fact that you took time out of your day. You could do anything. Ten thousand and one things you could do. But instead, you decided to turn on this broadcast to listen to the word of God. And that's going to bless you. And I'm thankful for you. So let me pray for you. Let me bless you. I want to say this. Maybe you say, you know what, a lot of this is new to me about the teaching of the Holy Spirit because oftentimes there's a lot of teaching on God the Father, God the Son, but for whatever reason, there's not much teaching on the Holy Spirit oftentimes in many churches, and that's unfortunate, or knowledge of the Holy Spirit in many people, in many Christians. But it's apparent, it's aware, you can't open up your Bible and and not see that the Holy Spirit is working mightily in in you, in the body of Christ, in the church, And that's his desire for you. He wants to flow and move in you. And I'll simply say this, just receive the Holy Spirit. As Christ said to the disciples, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Receive him. And don't let it be a one-time event. Well, bless God, I received the Holy Spirit. I I felt that shiver in my spine 17 years ago, 48 years ago, bless God. It's not a one-time event. It is a way of life. Romans 8.2, it is the law of the spirit of life. It's how you and I as Christians, we live, Acts 17.28, we live, breathe, and move, and have our being by the power of the Holy Spirit. And That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for myself, my family, my church, my nation, the body of Christ. Let us be full of the Holy Spirit. You know, Ephesians 5 says that. Be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be full of. That Greek word literally means be filled and overflowing with. Imagine a glass of water with a pitcher of water and you're pouring it into the glass and it's about to overflow and it starts overflowing and you just keep pouring it over so that the glass never empties. It never lessens. It's always full and it's always overflowing. That's what the Lord desires for you as a believer, to not just have a little Holy Spirit and his presence and his power, not to have half full or even full, but to have so much of him in you, you can't contain it. And you got to tell someone about Jesus. You've got to release his goodness, his love, his kindness, and shake up and turn your world upside down for the glory of God. Let me bless you. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for every listening ear and every watching eye, Lord God. Lord, these are people that seek after you with all that they are. Lord, we determine in our hearts and our minds to be counted among the faithful. We refuse to grow cold in our hearts and our minds. We refuse, Lord God, to become complacent in our knowledge of who you are. No, Lord, we desire the deep things of who you are, Father. Let it be revealed in our hearts even now by the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we say, baptize us with the holy spirit and with fire continually lord with fresh anointing our heads shall be anointing in jesus name lord and we lift up the body of christ in lawrence city lawrence county the nation of america and across the nations of the earth. We lift up our pastor. We lift up the pastors of this land, Lord. Let a Holy Ghost touch stiffen their spines in the name of Jesus. Lord, let them preach the word of God with boldness this coming Resurrection Sunday. When so many people will take religious action to be in church, let them get hooked in to the power of God and receive eternal life. And let us as a believing people, Lord, never. Lose the opportunity to witness. Let us take every opportunity to tell someone about Jesus because we carry the answer to every question, the solution to every problem, and his name is Jesus. And we thank you for your boldness by the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. If you believe it, won't you type amen, say out loud where you're at, amen, and you have a great rest of your day lord bless you i'm thankful for you thank you for the kind words miss shirley thank you for the kind words net thank you so much i appreciate y'all for joining me this wraps up holy spirit the helper you need hey if you're watching now or later and you don't have a home church come join gospel tabernacle church this sunday april 17th for easter service it's going to be a great time in the Lord. We're going to have a wonderful time. I'm telling you, you're going to be blessed. And, uh, you know, if you if you have your own church, be there. Be in church. Lord's going to bless you. Lord will bless you for being there. Take someone with you. Be a bringer. Be a bringer. And, uh, hey, well, that's it. Be strong in the Lord. And we'll see you the next time we do a broadcast. God bless all of y'all. Love you so much. Thank you for listening to this faith-filled message. Please connect with us at our website gospeltabernaclechurch.com so we can continue to be a part of your faith walk. And if you're listening today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, now is the time to do that. Now, today is the day of salvation. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, I believe you sent your only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins on the cross and you have raised him from the dead that I might be alive in him. Jesus, I confess you are Lord of my life. In Jesus name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome. You're now in the family of God. You're a child of God. Connect with us, let us know if you prayed that prayer. We want to be right there alongside you as you walk out this journey of faith in Christ. God bless you.